You Same. recording? Yep. One, two, two three. Fire. Fire. <laughs> All right. Uh, hello. Welcome back to Etsy Ketsy. This is our fourth episode, and today we're going to be discussing Nomadland. Um, the, I guess it's a technically a 2020 film, but really it's being released to the general public um, in 2021 just a couple weeks ago directed by Chloe Zhao Uh, it's getting a lot of buzz right now a lot of Oscar buzz right one uh, one big time at the Golden Globes probably will win best picture yeah that's what I'm thinking too definitely nominated yeah but yeah yeah it's it's getting a lot of critical acclaim. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a. I was gonna say it's a fun movie. It's not a fun movie. Um, not I don't know how much a like, fun movie. I don't know how much but, pop appeal it has to the general public. Mm-hmm. M- maybe it does have a lot because it's dealing with very relatable issues and circumstances yeah um but yeah it's a really good one it is just a very quiet movie definitely uh falls under the category of indie movie (laughs) yeah um and you know indie movies generally don't have the highest pop appeal and like blade runner (laughs) it's very moody and slow and a lot of it is about you know the the moods that the that Chloe wants to give and Frances McDormand gives off. Yeah. So this is the only uh, Chloe Zhao film I've seen. Have you seen her? Me too. Okay. Well, now I'm. Okay. So I found out Chloe is um, she's the director of this Marvel movie coming out this year called The Eternals. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. And it's surprising. You wouldn't guess that a director of a movie like Nomadland would be uh, directing a Marvel movie. Totally. Which makes me particularly excited. You know? Yeah. I completely I, I, agree. I'm not very excited about Marvel Phase <laughs> 8 or whatever phase <laughs> they're on. Um, but I think it's cool if they're like, if this phase includes reaching out to unconventional directors to take on new stories. I think that could be yeah. really interesting. Something a little more experimental than And more it sounds Spider-Mans. like she was directing or basically while she was on Nomadland, on set for Nomadland, that was while she was doing pre-production for The Eternals. Mm. So both movies were developing and she was working on both simultaneously i didn't know that i assumed they were but i think it comes out this year i don't i don't think there's a trailer yet but i think it's set to come out this year you know marvel and their trailers they (laughs) they love to keep it secretive yeah yeah um let's uh let's get into this a little bit um so nomadland if you don't know, it's about a woman, an older woman, I think in her 60s. Um, Fern. 
Fern, yes, who loses everything in the recession um, because, well, anyway, loses everything in the recession. Uh, and then she decides to become a nomad uh, and lives in a van, which she names Vanguard. Vanguard. <laughs> Big fan of that name. Incredible. Yeah. I love that. Um, and it's just sort of, uh, it gives me very slice of life vibes. We're just kind of following her day to day and seeing the people she meets um, and the little adventures she goes on and just uh, how she's how she's living. Yeah, I've always liked the name Fern. It's a good name. Short and sweet. It, yeah, I think it it's gives great. me um It gives me it reminds me of Salinger for some reason. Is there a character named Fern in the Salinger book? It sounds like there should be. Franny. Well, I Franny's know that. Similar. I I think it was a common name around the time that Salinger was writing books. So Well there you have it. Um Yeah, so she she basically she's at this plant in Arizona, the plant shuts down, so then she sells all her things and to and she uses the money that she makes having sold all her things to buy the Vanguard. To buy, <laughs> to buy Vanguard. Vanguard. And then she yeah. just bounces from place to place, meeting people and vibing in different places across America. So, did you, wait, did you say she was working at Amazon? Like, that's like the first gig she does. She like goes uh, to yeah. some Amazon warehouse. Yeah, she works um, a couple different jobs throughout the films, but. Yeah, at one point she's working at Badlands National mm-hmm. Park, which was cool. At one point she's working at a restaurant just like um a bunch of temporary jobs yeah odd jobs in different places um and i think we should also mention i don't think we have yet uh fern is played by francis mcdormand who is my favorite person in the world i love her so much um and and her performance is reason enough to go out of your way to watch this movie yeah absolutely i almost want to say this is her best performance but I don't know if I can because she has so many amazing performances I feel like yeah. I have to go back and watch all of them in order to properly judge she's always great but this movie she really gets like the time and the space to like show yeah everything she can do this whole movie she's front and center every scene yeah yeah and I think one of the most interesting parts of this film to me is that a lot of the characters, the side characters, aren't played by actors. They're just played by yeah. actual nomads. Or the YouTuber Bob Wells plays himself. <laughs> He's actually or a like pretty big part of this fictionalized movie. fictionalized versions of their actual selves. Um, and a lot of the movie, you can't tell if it's like, yeah. is this conversation scripted? Or and I, I just... think a lot of it is was the camera just scripted. rolling and they're talking? From what I understand, a lot of it, like most of the movie was scripted, but Chloe Zhao did such an amazing job directing these non-actors that you really can't tell and it really does blend in. And yeah. Frances McDormand absolutely blends in. 
There's like, like two. Didn't... There's two actors in this movie, and the rest. Yeah. Are... It's Francis McDormand, and then there's also the dude who's in that LCD sound system. Oh baby, music video. my favorite, my favorite music video that you showed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name yeah. is David Strathern. I think I don't know how to. I actually haven't seen any movies he's been in. Neither have I, but I saw him and I was like, that's the dude from the Oh Baby music video with Sissy Spacek, who's another one of my favorites. And that one is directed by, what's his name? Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, yeah. My my three faves. Yeah, you're like a Ryan Johnson stan too, right? I mean, I guess. I do, <laughs> I do honestly really like lot of his movies so i guess one could call me a ryan johnson stan um but don't let the star wars fans hear it (laughs) um yeah i thought um and people have already disagreed with me on this but i thought a lot of this movie was like very heavy at parts it was like pretty stressful and Mm -hmm. I don't know it's not like a super uplifting movie and I think a lot of people are like kind of painting it out to be this uplifting hopeful movie but I don't think that's totally accurate I can't really tell if it's like it's hard to tell what the movie's trying to tell you if it's like yeah glorifying this nomad life or being like look at look at uh, how hard this is and how problematic this is. I think it's, it's is. very much left up to interpretation of you can kind of decide whether whether Fern is, you know, doing this for herself and going to explore uh, yeah. just being with herself and going on these uh, adventures or if it's, yeah, this is what... Um, capitalism can breed is like this desperation of this is at a certain point your only choice is to buy a van name it vanguard and live in it (laughs) and like that's your best option or that's seemingly your only option uh yeah showing scenarios that we're pushing people into yeah they might not opt into if they weren't forced so yeah, I definitely can see where people interpret it as uplifting, um, but I'm definitely more uh, on your page of the. It's kind of a. I don't want to kind of say bleak. depressing, but yeah, I said depressing, <laughs> but yeah, bleak. It's uh, definitely. It also shows like a lot of really beautiful moments and scenery oh um, my gosh yeah like visually speaking the cinematography is beautiful yeah some really nice cinematography um that fits the story really well um a lot of like very wide um views of the desert expanses Mm -hmm. um yeah and i think it looks really great I don't know who shot this movie. Um, I can't remember. Uh, but I think he worked with uh, Chloe on her other 
Um, Joshua Bigfoot. James Richards. Yeah. Interesting. Um. Oh yeah, and Chloe Chloe Zhao's other, like, shout big, out to Joshua well James Richards. Films. <laughs> shout out to Joshua James Richards. Chloe Zhao's other big film was The Writer, which came out in 2017. Um, and yeah, mm. I believe the same, I think it was the same director of photography on both of those. Uh, yeah. But actually, it's possible I'm mixing that up, and it's the same director of photography on Nomadland and Marvel Eternals, but that seems less likely to me. That would be cool. That would be really cool. I think um, that's also where people can interpret it as more uplifting is like when you do live in a van, you know, you can you can have your home in these gorgeous landscapes that you couldn't necessarily build a house in. Um, like maybe you aren't allowed to build a house in because of uh, like permitting or whatever, but also that it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense to build a house there. Uh, for whatever reason. So there is also something about that freedom um, that is definitely explored in the film, uh, which I find really interesting. Yeah, totally. Like, the nomadic lifestyle, there's one side of it where the people in the movie, they're vastly underprivileged yeah like there's a moment where somebody um you know they don't have enough to pay like medical expenses yeah. they've lost loved ones they're just um experiencing like really um drastic unfairness mm-hmm. but also I think everybody um, has at one point fantasized about being in a situation where they could drop everything and just, like, um, leave all their responsibilities and just hit the road. Yeah. So you can't, you don't really see, uh, it's hard to get the best of both worlds because a lot of, like, privilege and success in society happens uh, the way we've built society happens when you just stay in one place mm-hmm. and develop yourself and your life in, in one place over a long period of time. So you can't really just hit the road and leave everything behind. Yeah. But it seems like that might be changing. More and more people are just working totally remotely. Definitely. Um, it does seem so, like people are becoming more open to that. Yeah. Um, and now that you brought that up, actually, uh, this podcast, this episode is about Nomadland, but um, I feel like we should maybe mention Into the Wild for a second there, because this is kind of, to me, um, mm. and this isn't our double feature segment, but that would make an interesting double feature, I think, because these, to me, are kind of opposite ends of that spectrum of Into the Wild is... Uh, I kind of am bored or, like, I think I'm special, so I'm just going to go try and survive on my own and, spoiler alert, die because of my mm-hmm. stupidity. 
Um, if you couldn't tell, I really don't like Into the Wild. Mm-hmm. I don't like that movie. Um, and it's not a very good movie. I still I, think it's. Um, yeah. I still think it's, like the Christopher McCandless story is interesting, mm-hmm. because it doesn't seem like that spectacular of a thing that he's doing, but it makes you realize, wow, this is such a rare occurrence. That we that, made a whole that, movie. That about. there's a movie about it when somebody did it. Yeah. I'm just like that is really an interesting just, way of thinking like, about it. Like selling everything and leaving is so rare that it happened once and we had to like write a book and make a movie and yeah that, that's just kind of surprising to me yeah but the nomadland is the opposite where it's not a choice they're making all necessarily it's more out of a need of yeah i have to go do this or this is my best option or if i don't go live in this van i'm going to be living in a hospital and that's not what I want in my life so I'm taking this other decision um so yeah now that I think about that that would be actually a really interesting double feature which I would have done but I do not want to rewatch Into the Wild so it's not like a bad movie and honestly it has a lot of similarities and feel to this movie I do think it's a bad movie but you just you get a lot of like similar landscapes and types of people making appearances in both movies but yeah there's nothing great about into the wild as a movie yeah um okay but back to nomadland (laughs) enough enough ranting about into the wild um i think part of where nomadland shines is in the supporting characters. Um, Because a lot of the time, we're just getting these small glimpses into their lives, but it's these really intimate glimpses. Um, You're learning these really private things about them, uh, and they're... Everyone in it shows such vulnerability, and again, we don't know how much is their actual... Yeah, is scripted or how much actually happened to them and they're speaking from the heart. Um, But it does really build this sense of community. uh, Like, between the nomads, you can see that it exists, but between the audience and the supporting characters as well, or just all the characters, of, like, you really feel like you're kind of in it with them sometimes. Um... Which I think a lot of movies are trying to go for, but not all movies succeed at it. Um, yeah. And I do think this, I think Nomadland does succeed. Yeah, um, there's a few really great um, scenes with non-actors. I like that one, like uh, younger cowboy type, who she lends like a. Francis McDormand lends a cigarette and light to him. Mm-hmm. And then he makes an appearance later. Um, but. Yeah. Really, really good, good performance character. out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Just felt and, super real. And I love that you sort of meet this person at the beginning and then again towards the end. And that's sort of part of the, from what I get from the movie, is that's part of the nomadic lifestyle is you encounter these people a lot. 
Um, yeah. And there's that I'm whole scene. That, yeah. Sorry, there's that Sorry. whole scene where. Um, I can't remember the character's name, but he's talking about how you don't say goodbye in, uh, in you don't say goodbye when you're a nomad. You just say, "I'll see you on the road," or "I'll see you down the road." Um, and that like helped yeah, him from cope Bob with Wells. his son's suicide. And like, I love that they showed that to us. They show the seeing people again. Yeah, the, they show yeah. an example of that. Yeah, oh, that's, that's nice. a good. That's a good. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Thanks. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm glad the movie wasn't. There's like a bit of her. Of Frances McDormand, of Fern reaching out to her sister because she needs money. Mhm. And I'm glad the movie isn't all about. That. Yeah. It's more about, um, like, that basically happens once, and they could have dwelled on that for more drama in the movie. But really, it's just, like, she makes a few calls, and what happens happens, and she moves on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Somehow makes it work. And it's not like she cuts ties with her sister. Her sister comes up later. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's just... It doesn't, like, indulge in easy drama. That's, yeah. No, that's so true. It feels very, it feels very realistic in that sense. Of it's not just what could happen to this character. It's, like, what would happen to this character. What would happen to this person. Uh, which is yeah. good. Which is nice. Um, I, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they're I think it's at is it at Badlands? I can't remember where um where Fern just goes running off alone you know someone's giving like a presentation to a group of people and she just like literally just runs off (laughs) kind of like galloping and leaping away and she's just kind of walking around in circles by herself and it's these there are all these really beautiful wide-angle shots there, um, or just wide shots. Yeah. And I thought that was so interesting to have. It it sort of shows this gleefulness in the character that you don't see a whole lot in the film that just shines through at these small little moments. Um, yeah. And I thought that was like the a big. A big revealing moment for the character for me was seeing what she's like when she's just alone with her thoughts uh, in this beautiful, wide-open space where she, yeah. like, she really just doesn't care what anyone else is thinking. And I freaking well, that, love that. That also reminds me, something that happens about a thousand times in the movie is basically there's a scene where she's like talking with people and... And, and smiley and then there's like a jump cut to her alone and she's just like yeah uh, just she's so just like so drained face. yeah so there's like some of her feeling like ah, oh, I'm finally myself and free but a lot of it is like I'm finally by myself so I can be <laughs> I can I can feel this sad instead of putting on a smiling face yeah 
and making people feel comfortable. Instead, I'm just gonna be me. Yeah, and I do think that's. I There's mean, like a lot of scenes where she's putting on a smiling face to make people feel comfortable, and and you can see she's had these conversations over and over again, so she knows how to say mm-hmm. the right things to just make people shut up and change the subject. Yeah, I. There are definitely scenes like that, and I also think there are. A couple scenes where she's talking to someone and you see like them really connect and she is kind of excited to share this piece of her life, um, whether it's a piece of her life from when she became a nomad or before that. And she always kind of perks up when when she's giving these little details and it's so fun to see Frances McDormand like explore the character in that way. Yeah. She's so good in this. Yeah, I love that. I wonder if I'm like, if me crunching on this granola is really loud. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I guess, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> I think, I feel like I've quoted that in every episode so far. Is this a movie? I guess we'll never know. Is this a movie you'd watch like over and over again? I don't think so. This was my... I watched it a second time for the podcast. I'd watched it back in, back at the very end of December. Um, and honestly, it felt like I, it felt like not enough time had passed. I think this would be an interesting movie to explore at different stages of your life. You know, watch it once. Uh, maybe I, wa- I watch it my first time my first year of college, then another time uh, a few years after I graduate when I'm hopefully like working in whatever industry, uh, and then another time 10 years later, um, and just sort of seeing, it's a movie that I think would be interesting to see how you connect to it in different ways throughout your life, uh, which is also how I feel about a lot of Linklater films. Um, specifically the Before Trilogy, which is obvious, but hey, it's obvious for a reason. Like, those are movies that you think are interesting to explore at different ages? Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of movies um, you can watch and they'll bring you back to a moment in your life. Uh, You know, if I watch The Incredibles, I'm taken back to... Like, probably Colorado on Thursday nights when we would, like, always watch The Incredibles for some reason. Um, Whatever, not for some reason. It's an amazing movie. It's perfect. Um, But some movies, to me, aren't about, like, the nostalgia, but it's more about, oh, how is this, how can I relate to this character? How do I relate to the situations in this movie? And a lot of times, the first time I watch something, I can't relate to it at all because I'm you know, 12 years old, and for whatever reason, I haven't, I don't know, been freaking Anna Winter's assistant, so like, I'm not connecting to The Devil Wears Prada on a spiritual level, right? But if I watched it 20 years later, and I had at some point in those 20 years been an assistant to a powerful person, or 
not even like that specific. But just if I had an experience more similar to that, the whole movie changes. Yeah. So I think this is a movie where probably Devil Wears Prada wasn't the best example for that, but uh, this is a the movie intern. where I'm watching it now and I don't necessarily relate to any specific um, like experiences the characters are having. The emotional experiences, sure. Um, but like the physical ones, not really at all. But I'd love to watch it again a few years down the road and see if I still feel as positively about it. If I'm like, yeah, this was absolutely romanticizing this lifestyle, you know, just see what changes. Because two months is not a lot of time for your life to change, um, except if a pandemic starts. But we were already in the middle of one. Ooh, yeah. Okay, that was a really long rant. Um, no, I loved it. <laughs> but uh, how about you? Do you think this is something you'd like explore again? Um, so I don't have like a ton of experience working in the jobs shown in the movie, but I have a little, mostly like earlier this fall, I just went through like a couple temporary jobs, like one in a, in like a manufacturing factory similar to like a job you'd get at an Amazon warehouse. Sure. And then another building, blenders. So like oh, yeah. similar, similar jobs to the ones shown in this movie. So Nomadland reminded me of those experiences there. Mm. And the, the types of friendships you make with the people who just happen to be there. Because usually you're not very similar to these people. It's not like any of you are there because of your passion for blenders or your passion for Amazon, you're usually there because you just like eat a little side hustle, some extra cash. Sure. Um, but I think it's cool because usually people in, in those spaces will try to make the best out of the scenario and make it as enjoyable as possible and, mm-hmm. you know, try to be friendly and and uh, occasionally there will be coworkers who you have like extra chemistry with and it's especially fun. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, I, I'd love to watch this, you know, 20 years down the line and yeah. see it, maybe how much more it speaks to me or if I feel more distance from it, who knows? I think, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I do think maybe my one exception to my um I don't know not my rule uh but my one exception where I would maybe consider watching it earlier than a few years down the road obviously if I'm in the mood to watch it I'd watch it but if I could watch this in theaters even tomorrow I would watch it again no question because just this freaking cinematography in this is begging to be experienced in a theater. I, and who knows, maybe the sound design is incredible. And I just 
didn't even notice because I'm watching it. Sorry, David Lynch on my laptop. Like, okay, look, <laughs> I know this movie would look good in a movie theater. Of course. Yeah. Every movie looks But great. I also, well, no. I feel like I'm maybe alone in this, but like, I do not really relate to people who are like, oh my gosh, I miss movie theaters so much. Really? I'm like, dude, I don't know. It's not too different for me watching on my laptop. Like, I like I... going to the movies because hmm. it's fun, but like, just purely because of how it looks, I know it's a thing now that it's like cool to be like, this movie only looks good on the big screen. If you watch it on the laptop, you're going to hell. And I'm like, dude. I hate that. It's not that serious. That's like. Yeah. That's like a. But that's like a thing now, and I just don't relate to it. Like, I yeah, do, of course, a mo- uh, it's, it's going to look cool on the big screen, but, like, yeah. it's not that serious. I I mean, I definitely don't think this is... When I say see this in a theater, I mean, like, I want to see this in a theater where it's either me alone in the theater or, like, five other people and the whole thing tops. You know, yeah. I don't think this is a movie you want a big audience for, necessarily. Um, but on your note of not, you know, needing to see a film in in theater to appreciate it. I definitely agree. And I watched almost every movie I've watched in the last two years has Mm. been on my laptop, even sometimes on my phone, like on public transportation. (laughs) To clarify, we both love going to the movies. Yeah. Dude, I love going to the movies. I guess what I have a problem with is haters, like people who hate, people say only, who just hate on watching movies yeah. on your laptop. It's like for sure, not that bad, guys. It's really but, not that. Um, different. a little like PSA to anyone listening: in France, uh, which is where I'm currently living, they have a cinépass, um, which mm. uh, it's not necessarily called cinépass everywhere, but. Like UGC, which is a, a company that owns lots of movie theaters, and Pate Gaumont, which also owns that tons of pate, theaters. Like yeah. P-A-T-H-E. Pate yeah. Gaumont. Yep. Um, and both of them offer. It's basically a movie pass, um, and it's like I don't know, a hundred euros per year or something, and you can just go see as many movies as you want in their theaters for free like beyond that you know you don't have to pay any more than just the yearly fee um and i see people all the time talking about how they miss movie pass and how that was like the best era of movie watching and like move to france guys i don't know what to tell you Uh, (laughs) it exists there if you if you have the means come out here so like let's it's about 100 euros and i think maybe it's like 200 i can't remember because Theaters have been closed for so long here. Um, so that'll pay for itself after like 10 movies? Yeah. Like, well, mm, depends where you are. In Paris, yeah. Uh, if you're in a smaller town, probably way more. Yeah. But for example, I got a movie pass in January of last year. Early January. Not even early. Mid-January. And theaters closed right. in mid-March. Right? Right. 
I had a lot of free time. I saw over 40 movies in theaters. <laughs> in, <Yo>. those, <laughs> in those wow. two months. Um, yeah, wait, in those, two, in those three months? Yeah, yeah. So, like, at that point, I'm just sort of, I would go see any movie in theaters, just because it's something to do. That pass is built for you. They make, (laughs) that pass exists because, like, nobody is like you. No, like, actually, yeah, exactly. I keep thinking, oh, they're so pissed I found out about this. There'll be, like, two people who actually, like, use this pass for what it's worth, but the rest will just, like, make money off of it. I genuinely was shocked when I figured when I, like, found out about it, because yeah. in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, everyone is going to go see 40 movies every three months. I mean, if you can, no. Nobody's going to do that. I'm insane and have a lot of free time. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So, basically, all that to say, I would pretty much go see any movie in theaters. It really doesn't take a lot. Uh... If it's just showing at the right time, I'll go see it. So Nomadland, yeah. If it was showing in theaters, I'd go see it. I'd go see it five times. Yeah, I would go. I would if it was showing in theaters in like five years. I'd be like, yeah. I did like that it showed an Amazon warehouse in that movie. That's like such a such a thing of the times. Yeah. The Amazon warehouse. And it's just like. Apparently, um, no, totally. Apparently, Frances McDormand actually worked some of the jobs that she's shown working in the movie. Um, I don't know if the Amazon worker is one of them. She worked at Amazon for a little bit. Like, I'm not sure which ones it was, but I wonder if I got like an Amazon package that Frances McDormand. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, anything's possible. That would actually be such a flex if you could go back and figure that out. Be like, yo, Frances McDormand packaged my, like, kilo of flour or whatever you're ordering from Amazon. I don't know. You tell me you you order flour off of Amazon. Who wasn't ordering flour off of Amazon? Early pandemic when there was no flour in grocery stores. I mean, Amazon's Mm, got flour. Interesting. Um, But... A quick not shout out to Amazon. Um, we don't. No shout out to Amazon. Yeah. Um, Jeff Bezos, Nick, I would eat you if I had out. the chance. Um, yes, reverse shout out. Shout. Whisper in. To Amazon. <laughs> Get it? Cause, like, whisper in. <laughs> whisper in. Yeah, whisper into Amazon. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I feel like I've... What do you rate this movie? um, Okay, when I first watched this back in December, I thought, this is a perfect movie. I have no complaints. This is, like, maybe one of my favorite movies of all time. You know, no question, uh, like, best picture of the year, easily. Then I sat with it for, what, two months? And now I rewatched it. And I still 
really love it. Yeah. Okay? I think it's amazing. But I don't think it's, like, I wouldn't say it's perfect. Uh, I wouldn't even say it's almost perfect. But I would say it's amazing. So I'm going to give it a cataplicticos. Because that's because that's what best fits it. Uh, yeah. What's your rating? Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah, I don't even know if like questioning whether it's perfect or not makes sense with this movie for me. I feel like, yeah, it does exactly what it's set out to do. Um, I think like. Yeah, it's really, really good. And I would highly recommend this movie. Yeah. If you want to know if you should watch it. Um, uh, but, like, as far as, like, my personal enjoyment, it's, like, not, like... Like, it wasn't the... It was, like, a little slow for my taste. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good. So I'll give it a Kalos. It's just... Certified I a, fresh. I had a feeling. I had a feeling you were gonna give it Kalos. <laughs> a strong Kalos. Maybe. A strong, strong maybe even Kalos. a Kataplikticos. I think. I think I gave it a Kataplikticos, but like not the strongest Kataplikticos, but like a solid Kataplikticos. Right. You know. Yeah. I just need to. <laughs> I just need to be careful with my Kataplikticos. Yeah, we've ratings. been we've been pretty generous. Um. So, but what's your double feature? What what okay. movie would you pair this with? Pair no man, no so, with. actually, one of the first movies I thought of when I was thinking of a double feature was Jackie. Because, to me, both films are very much like about grief and about this woman and how she's Widows. dealing with her grief and what she's doing with her life. Um... So I I do think that would be an interesting double feature. But then I was thinking more about the vibes of the movie along with the themes and I thought what's a what's a better match to the vibes than Paris, Texas. Mm. Paris, Texas because for many yeah. reasons um which you know would be fairly obvious if you've seen both movies. Uh, very similar landscapes. Um, honestly, pretty some similar cinematography sometimes. Um, both films have like these really, real like vulnerable dialogue-heavy scenes. Rich emotional cores. Yeah. Um, A lot like bubbling beneath the surface. For sure. And I'm not yeah. gonna get too much into it, but yeah. I I think that would make a pretty epic double feature. Yeah. Great. On to you. That's a really good pick. Thank I've you. I've only seen that once, and it was like Same. in high school. So I really need to watch it again. It's one of my favorites. But yeah, I've also only seen it once. Um, My pick is one of my favorite movies, and one that I like. I might have already talked about on this podcast. Um, but I recommend it a lot, and it's, um, a movie 
called Two Days, One Night, starring Marion Cotillard. And it's, I think it's similar to Nomadland because it basically shows people put into hard situations, forced into them because of the society they live in. Capitalist, um, industrial. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, Two Days, One Night is far bleaker and far more depressing, but in the <laughs> end, I'm hopeful. But it's sh- Marianne Cotillard's character is not as stable as Fern in any way. Uh, Marianne Cotillard basically would be playing like Fern in Nomadland at like her worst week of her mm-hmm. whole life. Yeah. Like, Two Days, One Night basically shows, like, the worst three days of Marianne Cotillard's life, her character. Two Days, One Night is, like, maybe the most stressful movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, I think Marianne Cotillard's performance is maybe my all-time favorite. I think it's, I definitely think it's her best performance. Which, like, if you've seen uh, La Môme or Le Vion Rose, which she won the Oscar for... Is really saying something because she's incredible in that. Mm. But like two days, one night, I think is easily her best. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. And to to give a little background, or just to give a, like a little bit of the plot, basically what it's about. She lives in um, this industrial town in Belgium with her husband, and she has two small kids. And basically, she's working at this factory. It's like this solar panel factory. And she had been on a a leave of absence for some mental health issues. So she's coming back to find that her boss figured out that they didn't actually need her. Um, Mm -hmm. He could just like make her, make other people do her job with like slightly longer shifts. And it gets to a point where he offers her 16 fellow employees 100 euro bonuses if they like do that extra work so she doesn't have a job Mm -hmm. and the plot of the movie is she basically has two days one night to personally go out to each of these fellow employees homes and beg them to not accept this thousand euro bonus which a lot of these people are going to be depending on for their families wait is it a hundred euros or a thousand euros Oh, a thousand euros. Did I say a hundred earlier? Yeah. No, like a big bonus. A thousand euros. And she's at her most desperate. It's just really good. Really good movie. And I think similar to Nomadland in a lot of ways. Yeah. But also a a nice contrast to That's... Oh, that would be... That would make a great double feature. I really want to watch Two Days, One Night again, but I genuinely don't know if I can handle the stress. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ugh. that's a lot. But it's so good. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, do you have a specific movie recommendation? Yeah. Hit um, me with it. So... I pretty recently watched this movie that came out last year called We Are. 
And We Are is directed by the same director as Spree. Um, <laughs> this dude named e- Eugene, and I'm gonna butcher this last name. It's Kotliarenko. Um, and I think it's streaming online for free. Not even on a streaming service, just like free on this website. It might be on Vimeo or something. Well, So it's called We Are, and it's basically this failing marriage. Uh, this guy who works at this VR startup like very loose and all over the place fragmented and you can't really tell when it's being sincere and when it's not (laughs) when it's being ironic which I'm kind of into that seems to be like a developing trend in a lot of movies you just like can't quite tell when they're being real yeah um but it was interesting felt like fresh and original so I would recommend to watch we are Nice. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's better than Check Spree? Check it out. Um, it's way different, but it also like makes you see Spree in a different lens too, as more of like, mm. like a bizarre art house, post post ironic <laughs> movie <laughs> where you don't really get that at first watch. Um, yeah. Huh. Like it. It seems to be that Eugene, this director, is really trying to like push the envelope or really trying to show show people something original mm-hmm. and I don't know if uh, this like niche that he's fallen into will really stick but it's still interesting and I think worth watching I'm curious to see yeah. what you think of it yeah I want to Maybe I should rewatch Spree and do a double feature. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for my specific. What about you? Specific. For my specific movie recommendation, um, I'm going with just the best movie I watched in the last week, which I really haven't watched a lot of movies this last week, which is pretty odd for me. Yeah. Um, but probably. Like, are you okay? <laughs> no, right? Um, okay, actually, so probably the best movie I watched in the last week is Chef. Uh, Dude, Chef shoot. I don't know how Sobrero. long I haven't been... Wait, sorry. Keep on going. Are you not recording? <laughs> no, I, I have been recording, but I wasn't, like, holding it up. Oh. It's okay, though. I think it's fine. Um, probably the best movie I watched this week was Chef, uh, which I think I had technically watched before... But it was, like, at a cousin's house, and I wasn't really paying attention. So I counted this as a first watch. Um, and it's just a really solid movie. It's, really? Yeah. It's, like... I haven't seen it. I've I seen think, a scene from it. Um, oh, I've seen... I've made <laughs> you know the spaghetti alio e olio from this movie using Binging with Babish's video, like, five or six times now. I freaking love really? it. It's so good. Yeah. That's amazing. I made it for the whole family, like, during winter vacation or something. Um, but I, one of the reasons I liked it so much is because um, for the last maybe, like, two-thirds of the movie or something, just just nothing bad happens. It's just like, oh, look, they're, they're succeeding. 
and look at them go. They and they're still succeeding. Look and look, they haven't gone. They haven't had to shut down yet. Uh, and they don't have to. And it's just happy. And sometimes you need more than that from a movie, you know. But sometimes it's nice to just be like, oh, it doesn't all just have to be sad. And I remember mom going to see Brooklyn, like the Saoirse Ronan movie from whatever year. Yeah. And that was like her review. She was like, yeah, guys, nothing bad happens. You keep expecting something bad to happen and then just it never does. It's great. And ever since then, I've always kept my eye out for movies like that. And there aren't very many of them. But well, a lot of movies one. are entertaining. And this is why a lot of horror movies are entertaining. Because they present, like, worst-case scenarios or, like, very foreign situations yeah. that you wouldn't find yourself in. But it's showing you, it's presenting them to you so you can think about how you might handle you them if do. you ever yeah. found yourself in that. For so sure. it's like a survival thing. Why uh, that's always like why things always go horribly wrong? It's because we want to see that so we can for sure think but about like, yeah. how to navigate those situations if we ever fall into them. I do, and I think a lot of people experience this of just when you're watching a movie and it's all going well, and you're like, I know something's gonna go wrong, but like, wouldn't it be nice if it just didn't? Wouldn't it be nice if everyone was just happy now? Yeah, it's kind and of a some, power move. It's so when the nice like, to just guess what? Everything's perfect. <laughs> I I'm sure there's a letterbox list out there that's just movies where just it all goes right. You should make one. And like, ah, what a pleasant, what a pleasant little journey. Um, but like, I will say, I dare anybody to like think of, <laughs> think of one off the top of their head. I bet you to, can't. Try to think of five movies where it all goes right. You <laughs> can't. Um, yeah. But I also, um, I also watched Moxie, the, the movie that Amy Poehler directed that came out on Netflix like, oh, what, yeah. two Any days good? ago or something. Um, it's not amazing, but sh- like, it feels like she went through my old Instagram posts and was like, hey, Let's look at this and look at all of her friends and just like write a movie about that. Which she didn't. But like it there are some very specific things that happen in that movie that happen like references to the Bay Area and like the like Pinterest white feminism that like was very much me in, you know, eighth through Eighth grade through sophomore year was like my whole thing and like my whole friend group. And like it was a really interesting experience to watch. So was it nostalgic for you? It was. To bring you right back to really weird. Twenty fourteen. Bring me right back to like three years ago. Yeah. Um, That's funny. But and and it's a fun movie. Um I definitely recommend Chef over Moxie. But if you also happened to be a Pinterest white feminist, um, like extremely politically active girl who made zines, um, check it out because it's <laughs> it'll speak to you. It's exactly to you. Um, quick shout out to Maya and uh, Dysfunction Mag and Eleanor. 
Oh yeah, that was rad. <laughs> that magazine you made. The in magazine high that we made that we never actually made. Yeah, that was fun. You you guys still had some like cool photo shoots, and I thought it was cool. I appreciate it. Um, um should we uh should we hit the pitch deck? <laughs> I think we should hit the pitch deck. Okay, so our theme for the pitch this week uh, was pitch a movie about an older woman, which is a very vague theme, obviously, a very broad theme, um, but it is interesting because there are very few movies about older women. Um, you know, Hollywood kind of decided a long time ago kind of at its inception that women have no value once they're once they no longer like look like they could be in their 20s so it is pretty rare to see a movie about an older woman um so that's why it's important to think of those movies (laughs) and that's why we're doing it um yeah i thought it was actually a good theme. Well, thank you. It was quite difficult to come up with a pitch, actually. Um, but I have a, I have a very broad one. That's kind of becoming my theme for every week, as I have a very big <laughs> pitch. <laughs> but no, I do too. Uh, but you know, um, and it's actually a movie that I've had on my little like list of film ideas for years and it's just oh cool I'm excited to hear this a movie about a woman probably in her 60s um in like the mid 1800s trying to get a divorce and just like that's it but just the the hoops she would have to go through and like, Basically just cut off from her entire family. Cut off from her, her entire family. Cut off, she would have to be cut off from society. I mean, I actually haven't done the research. Yeah. I don't know exactly when divorces were normalized. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was fairly recent. Uh, unless you're counting like thousands of years ago. I think those societies had it. No, I love it. You should totally. Um, but I think that would be, yeah. You should totally start researching that. Like I, that would be so cool. Also, I, that would be a great I love movie. a good period piece, so <laughs> you know, any excuse yeah. to have people dress up with like the empire waistlines. Yeah. 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 Okay. I like it a lot. Thank you. Um hit the pitch deck. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um well my leading lady will be not 60 but like like middle age like like almost 40 Mm. because I think the older a woman gets the less value value she has she didn't know yeah um no I actually (laughs) right I feel like Amelia Earhart isn't talked about enough in general yo she just fascinates me yeah so I was like reading about her this week and in the like flu or the the 1918 epidemic she mm-hmm. was like a frontline worker she was like a nurse 
What? And she she also had to get like hospitalized, like after being exposed. Yeah. So I think that would be cool to show, just like little like fragments of her life, but then just like leading up to her her career, her flight over the Atlantic, and her eventual disappearance. But like give her a proper biopic treatment. Yeah. Um, and I imagine I haven't done enough research either. But I'm imagining no, she probably had really interesting parents. Mm. I'm imagining her I'm mother must right. have been a really special person. And I know she was also involved in a lot of like the early years of feminism too, which would be interesting to see. Yeah. I just, yeah, I think I'm surprised she hasn't gotten like a really solid um, narrative film about her life because I think she's just fascinating. Uh, yeah. There is. Uh, that would be really interesting. But yeah, and I, she, I think just like showing so the Spanish flu pandemic would be interesting too. Because <laughs> I think pandemics are just an interesting thing to see now that the world has experienced yeah. them collectively. I'm just hoping we don't only get pandemic films after this. Or just, yeah. I know, I know Well, every... for the first while, I'll, <laughs> no lie, I'll be into, like, the COVID narrative films. Like, I'll be into that. Oh, That'll I be watched, so um, interesting to me. I watched Locked Down, the... Right, the, that's, that like, movie. the first, like, <laughs> Zoom movie or whatever that was. Yeah. It's, like, a horror movie, I right? Just, no, 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 no. I, I think you're thinking of a different one. Um, the one with uh, Anne Hathaway. Oh. Um, it was really not good. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend oh, okay. it. Um, but oh, there it were, there was a, a horror film that came out like really early on. Like in oh, maybe I'm thinking April of or that. something. I bet you are. Um, what was I going to say? What are we talking about? Oh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, Amelia Earhart, that has always been such a like bizarre interesting story her whole disappearance that would be cool to get a whole biopic um and i'd like to request right now that stanley coochie be (laughs) 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 i've been on tiktok too long (laughs) i've been i have been on tiktok too long stanley (laughs) tucci be cast as the father because I think Stanley Kucci. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you did. <laughs> can I? Olive, can I rewind and you just delete okay? that part? No, we're not rewinding. <laughs> you have to own that. <laughs> we're not rewinding. Um, I think Stanley Tucci should be cast as. The father in every possible movie, Maybe. just because of, um, just because of his performance in Easy A. Yeah, um, the parents in Easy A are really cool. Uh, they're so good. They're Best cool parents, parents in cinema. No, I like the parents in Booksmart. Oh, they're good too. Those are some funny parents. Those are those Stanley are Tucci in Booksmart parents. too. Oh no, he who, isn't. Uh, but he should be. No, is it the last man on earth? Dude? Yeah, Will Will Forte. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I think yeah. that's his name. And Lisa Kudrow. 
that's I can't strange. think of Lisa Kudrow's face. Sure. Hold on. She's the one. Um, she's in Friends, which I haven't seen. As far as movie it. news, I just heard about Celine Sciamma's next movie. Oh, yeah. Petite Maman. It looks keep, good. People keep trying to spoil it on Twitter. I had to mute the title um, so I didn't see any spoilers. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm excited so for excited. That. Every, everything I've seen from Celine Sciamma has been so good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I already know I'll be a fan of it. Um, I also saw Alejandro, It looks like a very different story than... Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Than Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's, it's like starring like... I think it's mostly about these two uh, like pretty young girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like it's going to be really good. I'm sure it will be. I mean, if you can make a movie as good as Portrait of a Lady on Fire, like, you can do anything. Um, I saw that Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, um, his new film is, I think, in production. Uh, yeah, I saw, the, like, the first one since The Revenant. Yeah, I think it's called Limbo, um, or at least for now it's called Limbo, and it's about the, quote, political and social modernity, modernity of Mexico. Oh, I'm so excited. Which, like, wow. yeah. I, I, I'm sure whatever he does is going to be really gorgeous. I think so, yeah. Um, he probably is. So uh, this is like his like, Roma. Precisely. That's what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it's going to be gorgeous. And I'm really excited to see it whenever it comes out. Uh, that's all I have for news. I didn't see a whole lot of movie news this week. Raya came out. Oh, yeah. It's not available in France movie. yet. Next week, we're going to be watching Cinema Paradiso. This yeah. week, we're going to be watching Cinema Paradiso. Next week, we'll be talking about that. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen Cinema Paradiso, check it out. I think I technically have, but... I also don't remember a lot of it, um, and I don't think I was paying enough attention when I watched the first, like, two times that I've seen it. Um, so I might count this as a first watch. Well, we can't wait to see you guys there. Yeah. Uh, In our yeah. next episode. Watch it. Avetsi Ketsi. Thank you for joining Good- us. Goodbye, Ketsitarians. Goodbye, Ketsitarians. <laughs> this was fun. <laughs>